Okay, we are going to get into the word today. Do we have a slide that says dress for success? Do we have that? I didn't know if Kyla got it. Um, there it is. Okay. So we are starting a new series called Dress for Success. And what that is, is we are going to be talking about the armor of God. Okay, so you need to dress for success as in putting on the armor of God so that you can have success in your spiritual life, in your day-to-day -day life, not just your spiritual, but your day-to-day -day life. When you put on the full armor of God, it will just make your journey and life a whole lot better. So we're going to do a Dress for Success series. We're going to um, head off into that direction in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 6, and we're going to talk about the armor of God. So today is just going to kind of be a little bit of an introduction on to what we're going to be looking at. And I just want to just kind of preface with saying, um, when we talk about the spiritual realm and, and all that kind of stuff, it's really not meant to freak anybody out, okay? It's just, I want, I think it's important as believers that we are aware of what is going on in our world and around us. And so this is really, if this kind of brings up questions or things that you're kind of like really not sure about, make sure you contact me and let's have a conversation so that I can tell you more and explain more about what this is all about to you. Okay, so just for success, the armor of God. I'm going to start off by telling you a little story. A little story about a man named Jed. He was a poor mountaineer, could hardly keep his family fed. Then one day, he was shooting up some food. And up through the ground came a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold, Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed, he's a millionaire. Kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there. Said, California is the place you want to be. So he loaded up his truck and he went off to Beverly Hills, that is. Swimming pools, movie stars. <laughs> Y'all know the song, I'm so excited. I did a, a speaking to some church planters this week and, and I used it, I didn't talk about this topic, but I, I was able, because it was so fun, I was able to kind of turn it into what I was talking about, and they all looked at me like I had six heads. But of course, they're all under 40, right? So they're like, who is she talking about? So I appreciate that some of you know what I am talking about. The Beverly Hillbillies, if you have no idea, for some of you younger people. Um, Pastor Vanessa's like, huh? Um, this is a show that's on TV, still on TV. We have, Daryl and I have been watching old programs um, because we only have Netflix. Everybody feels sorry for me and Roku. Um, <laughs> so this show was 1962 to 1971 and we've been watching it and re-watching the, the shows and I just get such a kick out of it. But the Beverly Hill Billies, the story about the Beverly Hill Billies is they're just this group of hillbillies who are just living life in a tiny little shack of a cabin out in the backwoods, living their life, and all of a sudden they struck oil. 
And all of a sudden now they are multi, multi millionaires, probably billionaires. But the interesting thing about them is when they moved to Beverly, where the movie stars and the swimming pools are, and all of the resources of life that money could possibly buy, they still chose to live the way they were used to. So, kind of give you an instance, uh, when they first moved into their mansion and they have this beautiful oven, you know, that you just turn on and it gets hot. They didn't know that you would turn on this button and it gets hot. They thought you need to put wood in the oven to cook your meal. And you can just imagine all of the silly things that would happen. When the doorbell would ring, it wasn't just a normal doorbell. It was a beautiful little, like, 20-second song. And they couldn't figure out why the walls were making music. And every time the walls made this music, somebody showed up at their house. They couldn't figure out why this was happening. So this kind of just gives you an idea if you have no idea who the Beverly Hillbillies are. But the Beverly Hillbillies did not make use of the resources that were at their hands. They decided to just remain in what they were used to and what they were comfortable with. So today we're going to talk about the armor of God. And we're going to talk about the resources that we have at our fingertips. But sometimes we choose to not take hold of those resources. And we choose to remain living in a manner that is comfortable and that we know. We're going to look first at 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 and 9. Here's a warning to all of us who are believers. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. See, everyone, all believers, we are in a battle. We are in a battle between good and evil. And the interesting thing is, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, it's interesting to watch on TV and movies and all that kind of stuff because there's always a battle between good and evil. And I find it interesting that even somehow, deep down in the heart of people, whether they believe in Christ or they don't believe in Christ, they understand that there is definitely a battle going on that verses good and evil together. So how do we stand firm and resist the enemy? The enemy is prowling around to try to devour us. As soon as you become a Christian, and again, this is in no way meant to freak you out, because what we need to understand is that we have authority with Jesus Christ, and we have beaten the enemy already. Amen? Amen. So there's no reason to be fearful. There's no way, no reason to be scared. I was actually talking to Pastor Ken uh, a couple of days ago, and he was telling me, which I'm sure he has multiple, multiple stories of interesting um, situations, spiritual situations that he has seen. Um, in Africa in his time there, him and him and Marge. Um, but he was talking about a certain situation that was happening where the enemy was 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 showing its head through somebody and, and one of the ministers was just like calm, cool and collected and was just like, eh, 
it's no big deal. And I think that's how we need to respond to the enemy. You are under my feet, enemy, and you have no power over me whatsoever. So as I talk about spiritual battles, it is not in any way to put fear in you. On the contrary, it is meant to instill in you and remind you that you, yourself, as you have Christ inside of you, have power and authority over the enemy. Amen? Okay. So, we're going to talk about Ephesians 6. Paul gives us some instruction in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. So, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or whatever device you are using. And I'm going to read this whole scripture, and for the next couple of weeks, we are just going to take time to kind of break it all down. But for today, I just want to kind of start with a premise to help you to understand what exactly uh, the battle is. So Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. So it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted in the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith which, with which you extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Amen? That's a lot of scripture. So let's break that down. What is Paul doing? Paul is teaching right here. He is teaching the people in Ephesus. And what we need to remember is Ephesus was a place that was full of idol worship. It was an evil place. And Paul was encouraging everybody, okay, you need to be strong. Even though you are surrounded by things that are evil, you need to understand that you need to remain strong. You need to put on the full armor of God. You need to understand that you are more powerful with the Lord. Paul says, finally, this is his last words of instruction to the Ephesian people. He says to them, be strong. He's encouraging them, be strong. You are stronger than what is around you. Every time you turn on your TV and watch any kind of news, any time you scroll through social media and you see things around the world that are happening, you need to remember to be strong because you have the power over what is taking place. Verse 11 reminds them that they are in a battle. We are in a battle today. as as, As soon as we become Christ followers, we are now in a battle because the enemy does not want you to succeed in your Christian walk. He wants to tear you down. He knows every single one of your weaknesses, and he will find a way to tear you down. That is what the battle is all about. So Paul is reminding us of this battle, and he's telling us about spiritual forces in heavenly realms. 
So what does that mean? What is a heavenly realm? It is another word, really, for spiritual realm. So it's something that we don't see with our physical eyes. But it is definitely something that we can feel. Many, many times I've had people come to me who are new to church, walking in, and maybe that's your case here for some of you, where you walk in and there's worship music playing and people are crying and you're like, I don't know why I'm crying. I just can't stop crying. It's the Holy Spirit that is touching you. It's the Holy Spirit that is joining together with your spirit in you. There is a spiritual realm that we don't see with our physical eyes, but sometimes we can feel it. When people leave church and they say, wow, I could really feel the Holy Spirit today. That's because in the spiritual realm, we have given honor to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has been greater and powerful in the room. So we don't see it, but it exists. Whether we like it or not, it exists. And again, I'm going to keep reiterating, this is nothing to be afraid of. Because we have Christ in us. And Christ, we sang about it today. Christ wins the battle. Amen? Little story for you. When Daryl and I were <clears throat> starting out doing church planting at Manitoulin Island, um, the church was closed for a couple of years, and there was just a lot of stuff that went on that was not great. And so the church ended up closing, and it was closed for two years. We had some friends of ours from Bracebridge where we were living, and they came to help us to paint and to clean the church up. The, the church literally was... Um, when they closed down, I mean, it, it was kind of eerie when you went in because there were still dishes in the sink and things like it literally like what it looks like today here and just vacated. So everything was still um, kind of standing in time. So we were doing some rentals and trying to kind of bring the place up to date a little bit. And the people that were coming uh, to paint were doing work in the church. And one day he came to me, the, the gentleman, and um, he said to me, I don't know what went on here. He said, but I just sense in my spirit that there's something not right in this place. And so I took his words to heart, and when everybody was gone, one day I went into the church myself, and, and I started cleaning the pews with some... Um, oil, what do you call that oil, that Murphy's oil, going along the pews, and I just started praying. Okay, whatever's in here that's not of God, I take authority over you, and you need to leave. You need to get out of here. And I went and prayed over every single pew, over every single room, and welcomed the Holy Spirit in, and said everything else, bye-bye, you gotta go. Because we can take authority when we have Christ in us. I never told anybody what I did. It just was something that I felt to do between me and God as the pastor of the church. The next day, they came in to paint, finish up doing some work. And at dinner time, he said to me, were you in the church? Did you pray? And I said, actually, yeah, I did. And he said, they're gone. They're gone. It's gone. It's clean. You see, we have a power in the heavenly and the spiritual realm that Paul talks about. 
So I want you to turn to Ephesians 1, verse 3. And we're going to figure out, we're going to learn what exactly goes on in the heavenly realm. So Ephesians 1, verse 3. It says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So right there from the beginning, Paul is telling us that in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realm, there is blessings for us to receive. Ephesians 2, verse 6. It tells us, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. When we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are actually joined with his spirit in the spiritual realm. In the heavenly realms, we are with him. Ephesians 3, verse 10 tells us his intent was now that through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. That means that God works through the church, the believers, through us in the heavenly realms. So we have the power in the heavenly realms as believers. God can use us to affect the spiritual realm. Ephesians 6, 12. We read, which we just read a second ago. It says, let me just find it here. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So evil also resides in that spiritual realm. But we have authority. That's where our blessing is. That's where Jesus Christ is. That's where God works through us in that heavenly realm. Yes, the enemy will work through there, but we have a power and authority over him. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Daniel really quickly. Daniel 10, just to give you one more view of the spiritual realm. Daniel 10, verse 10 to 14. This is the story of Daniel. Daniel, just to kind of give you a little preface, had a vision, had a dream, and he was asking God, would you, would you clarify what does this mean? I'm trying to understand. And so he's praying for God to make him understand exactly what this vision is all about. And all of a sudden, verse 10, it says, A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed, and consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have now sent to you, and for I was now sent to you, and when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. 
But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the wisdom, uh, sorry, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So when you read the full story, you will get to understand that the person that visited Daniel was actually an angel. And he was bringing along the message, the, the interpretation of what he was trying to figure out. But he told him, from the moment you prayed, asking for clarification. So that reminds us that the second we pray for something, God heard us. He says, the moment you prayed, we heard you. We know that we, we heard what you said. So whenever you are praying for something and you feel like it's falling on deaf ears, that would be the enemy trying to tell you that God's not really listening to you. For those of you who say, well, God's not really listening to me because whatever fill you fill in the blank, that is a lie from the enemy. Because the second you pray to God, he hears you. But the answer sometimes may take some time to come to you because there is a battle going on in the spiritual realm that does not want you to succeed. So 21 days Daniel prayed, and he says, I was trying to get to you, but I was in a battle in the spiritual realm trying to come to you. But I heard you, and I'm here now to explain to you what the vision means. So turn to Luke 10, verse 19 with me. It says, I have given you authority. Everybody say, me. me. I have authority. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power, not just a little bit of power, not just once in a while, whenever you're, you know, living the way you think you should be living, but he has given you all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Amen? You have authority. When you are a believer and you are living a life that is honoring to the Lord, you have authority. We have authority to overcome evil in the spiritual, in the heavenly realms. And that authority has the effect that goes on and ultimately affects from what happens in the spiritual realm. When we pray and we take that authority, it can affect what happens here on earth. Are you guys with me? Am I losing you? Are you good? Give me a thumbs up. All right. Ephesians 6, what we're going to study for the next couple of weeks. This is Paul giving us the tools that we need to be able to fight off the schemes of the enemy. In Ephesians 6.13, he tells us when the day of evil comes. So what that is saying is we're all going to have a bad day. We're all going to have a day where the enemy is going to try to tear us down. We're going to have a moment where somebody offended us, where we feel like somebody looked at us the wrong way. We're going to have moments where sickness comes. We're going to have moments of distress. And my question is, how will we respond? Because in that moment is where the enemy will try to bring dissension. Did you know that the best, most 
in interest, it's, it's interesting, it's, it's frustrating, but it's interesting. They say that the best way to destroy an army is not from the outside by trying to cause destruction and, and, and from the outside way, but it's to bring destruction from within. So the enemy will do his very best to bring destruction within the church by bringing in disunity. And he does that through offense. That's a big one. We get offended. We get upset for, for reasons that... And remember what the scripture verse says. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We should not be ticked off at each other. We should be ticked off at the enemy. Because he is the... Am I allowed to say that word? Ticked off? <laughs> we should be very upset. <laughs> <laughs> Scratch that from the live stream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How are we going to respond to the attack of the enemy when the day of evil comes? Are we like those hillbillies that remain living in the manner that they were used to? They had so much resources at their hands, at their fingertips. To make their lives so much more easier. Not that I'm saying money can buy everything. That's not what I mean. Just kind of ride the wave with me on this one. They had resources to take from, but they chose not to. How many of us in the church, believers in Jesus Christ, choose not to put on the armor of God? But choose, when they come to know the Lord, to just remain in that baby Christian stage for years and years and years. And become complacent and stagnant and irritated by people and upset because this is happening and that is happening and they did this and they did that. And remain in that place rather than taking the resources that God has for us by putting on the full armor of God so we can dress for success. Amen? God gives us the tools. He says, here they are. These are for you. But he doesn't force us to put them on. He doesn't force us. It's our choice. We choose whether we want to live in a life that is successful as far as, you know, how I mean is, is dressing it for success. We're putting on that armor. We're ready to go. We're ready to hit that battle. We're ready to fight against and, and win the battle. Or do we choose not to? He instructs us to put on the full armor of God so that we are prepared when the day of evil comes. We need to be operating in a place of being in the spiritual realm, but being in the earthly realm at the same time. So we need to be living by the Spirit. We need to be spending our day so that we are in constant communication. When you say, how can I be in the heavenly realms? And I don't understand. It's by being in tune to the Holy Spirit that God's voice is the louder voice in your head. 
So that in that moment, when the enemy tries to creep in and bring a thought to your mind that is absolutely ridiculous, you can say, I'm going to take every thought captive, and I'm going to put it, does it match up with what the Word of God says? Is it true? Is it pure? Is it holy? Is it lovely? Is it honorable? Does it bring life? And if it doesn't, where is it from? The enemy. Who is in that spiritual realm. Remember the first part of Ephesians, the spiritual realm. Ephesians 1.3, remember, that's where our blessings are. And I love what David said last week when he spoke for Father's Day. And he said, sometimes our hands are so full of stuff that when God tries to bring blessing, there's like no place to hold on to it. There's no way to receive it because we're so full of getting what we want and how we want that there's no space. The blessings of God is in the spiritual realm. Are we ready to receive that blessing? Ephesians 2, 6, remember it tells us that we are seated with Christ. Christ is in that spiritual realm. We have relationship with him. When he is the louder voice in our heads, we are in tune to that spiritual realm. Ephesians 3, 10, God works through the church in the spiritual realm. That means that when we join together in unity and we are together attached and listening in that spiritual realm, that God can use us as a united force for his glory. He will speak through each and every one of us if we so allow him to. He is going to work through the church. Remember in the garden, Genesis 3, where the enemy says to Eve, did God really say you must not eat of the tree in the garden? There's a quote by Charles Spurgeon that I came across, and he says, we must not only pray that God will help us discern between good and evil, right and wrong, but we have to pray that God will help us to discern between what is right and what is almost right. We need to make sure that God is the louder voice in our heads, that we are attuned to the Holy Spirit, that we are attuned to the spiritual realm, that we are understanding that there is a battle going on that we don't see with our physical eyes, but we know that we know that we know that we have authority over whatever the enemy will throw at us. Through Christ, we have the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. So my question to each and every one of us, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. My question to each and every one of us is, are we walking, are we choosing, are we making sure that we are using those resources that God has given us, that God has made available to us, or are we remaining like the hillbillies? Where we're like, I know it's there. 
but I'm kind of comfortable in how I'm living right now. We need to choose today to walk with the Lord in power and in might. That we will look at the enemy, like what Pastor Ken said, it's no big deal. It's just the enemy. He is under my feet. So whatever you are going through today, and maybe you're like, hey, my life's good. Good for you. But you know what? <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news. The word tells us. God tells us in this world you're going to have trouble. Just because we have Jesus in our lives doesn't mean that our life is all easy peasy, lovely, rose colored glasses, rainbows, and candy, and lollipops, and all dressed chips. <laughs> we will have stuff happen in our lives because there's a battle going on. The devil does not want you to succeed. He does not want you to talk to your neighbor about Jesus. He does not want you to have a smile on your face where people are going to ask you what makes you different. He does not want you to have a good attitude in times of trouble. He is prowling around ready to attack. And the word of God actually tells us, sorry, team, the Word of God actually tells us that he, he hides himself. He, he makes himself look, you know, kind of appealing. He doesn't come out and go, Ta-da! Here I am! I've come to attack you! He doesn't do that. He's sneaky. He knows your weakness and he will dangle in front of you Sometimes I'm going on my, you know, my social media and I'm like, really? You, you think I'm this stupid? You, you think, you know, like he will try subtly to put something into you to try to get you distracted to go over here rather than focusing on the word of God. He will try to distract you through people. He will try to distract you through your family. He will try to distract you through your television. He will find ways to try to distract you. But you have power and authority to say, no, no, devil, not today. Not today. So I'm going to get you all to stand. the altars today if you need prayer if you're going through a battle this is why we do church by the way because we don't battle alone we come to church can I just throw it out there to people who are watching online if you're watching online and you're able to drive here and you're fully capable you need to get your tushy into church or I'll harass. I did. I did. I did. I will harass you. I will. <laughs> you need to be in church. Because you know what? We're a family. 
We're a family. And that's why I harass you all the time to go to find somebody you don't know. Because we need to make sure that we bind together. Because we need to support one another. Because the day of evil is coming. For somebody's going to have a bad day today, and you're going to have a good day, and you're going to be able to go, and you know what, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for strength. And you can be the strength for somebody else in the moment that they are weak. That's why we come to church. Not just so I can entertain you with the word of God, but we come to worship God, and we come to support and love on one another. Because it's hard out there. I get it. But when we have a church family that's praying for one another, loving one another, supporting one another, it makes the journey easier. So today I want to encourage you, if you are going through a trial, there's something going on in your life, I want you to come forward at this altar so we can pray over you and we can do some battle in the heavenly spiritual realms on your behalf. Because when you are weak, sing this song and if you want prayer this morning I encourage you to come forward